0: Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. This summer has been literally chock full of fabulous and entertaining authors and while i've always kind of been a one show a week guy for july and august i've become a two show a week guy now i did that because people have more time on their hands it's summertime vacationing maybe people need some more entertainment and i'm here to please you in any way i can (laughs) but this week a trifecta three guests this week and this next guest is unlike anyone I've had on the show. I had so much fun speaking with Shanti Hersonson, and she has a book called Never Die. Let's just start with the fact that she's not quite yet 15 and a prolific author, right? Okay, let's get to it. She's in the green room here on the Thriller Zone. Hey, Shanti, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm superb. Look at you all prepped and ready to rock. Thanks. You know, I think you're my youngest uh, guest on any on, on any of my podcast ever. So uh, this is a whole new milestone.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, um, For I was going to say, sorry. I am very tired. Uh,
0: Why I are start, you tired?
1: Did you I start school home? tomorrow.
0: <laughs> oh, is it tomorrow? Yeah. And what grade is it? Ninth grade. What's that make you? 14?
1: 15. Um, I turned 15 in October.
0: Happy birthday early. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, I I probably shouldn't ask this because it's going to put you on the spot. But do you have you heard of my podcast? I have. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the book we're going to be talking about is never dying. By the way, that's a cool cover. Thanks. Look at that. I looked up your artist and your artist. Uh, it's an unusual name. It's like D- Mibble Mibble Art. Really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, they did um, the Axel Insurgent for me and <laughs> the God's Right Hand.
0: The God's Right Hand. You yeah. know what really blows my mind about you, and and just bear with me because Shanti, I'm a little bit of a geek. Hope that's okay. <laughs> But, um, what you have done? What is it? Eight books now?
1: Um, so it's eleven published, and then I've written even more.
0: (laughs) Eleven published. (laughs) Okay, evidently, either I'm not up to date, or your website hasn't got up to date.
1: Oh yeah, my website um misses a couple books. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you st- uh, I did a little homework. Uh, I-, I want I want you to tell me everything, but uh, let's see. I think it was your first two novellas you were doing in sixth grade, right? Yeah. Now, your average bear, that's a phrase, mm-hmm. your average bear. If your average bear started writing um, like, uh-huh.
1: Oh, um, it froze for a second. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. It'll do that every once in a while.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> if your average bear started, you know, I think my average writer starts somewhere around maybe college or just out of college. So to start at sixth grade is pretty friggin' amazing.
1: Thanks.
0: Um, and And a great piece of advice to a lot of folks that listen to the show and they go, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do it or if I've got what it takes. And I'm like, shanti started early and she just <laughs> dove right in and this is no lightweight book this is a uh, this is 420 almost 30 pages i mean and this isn't oversized this is it's it's a it's quite a feat thank you yeah uh we're gonna talk about this a second but i want to know you have a sister i a uh, little birdie told me you have a sister is she younger or older?
1: Um, I have a twin sister, so I'm a minute older.
0: You're a minute older. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's cool. All right, so what is she? Does she follow in your footsteps? Does she want to be a writer too?
1: Um, no, she doesn't write, Um, but I think she wants to be a forensic scientist as of right now. And um, she does aerial silks, which is like, um, it's like one of the, it's a circus sport, I think. Um, So she's really into that.
0: Okay. Well, that's something new. And, and also I found out, uh, you know, a lot of people have hobbies. Um, my hobbies include walking the dog and painting on occasion, but yours is a little bit different. Now you are a skateboarder. I understand, which I can't even stand on one. I don't. <laughs> how did you train? How did you teach yourself to do that?
1: So, um, let me think, I um got my first skateboard when I was like seven, um, learned how to ride it, rode around um, the park for a day and didn't touch it for another five years. And then um, like right in the middle of the pandemic, I was really, really bored and I needed something to do. So I asked my parents if they could bring the skateboards um, home from storage. And we went and we got them and I just started riding it around my backyard. And eventually that kind of progressed to do going to the skate park and learning um, how to go in each of the bowls. And it's a really it's really fun. Um, sometimes I like I have to say I don't skateboard nearly as much as I used to, but I still do. Um, I like to go right at the park down the street. And then when we lived in our old house, we just moved like a few months ago. Uh-huh. Um, literally like 10 minutes away. But anyways, um, so our old house, um, there was a park like a couple streets over and it was a bit of a longer walk. I mean, it was like probably like a five minute walk, but I'm lazy. So um I what I would do is I would get my I would get a backpack and then I would get my skateboard. And I would ride, um, to the park and I would like go down the street. It was really dangerous. And I'm pretty sure I almost got hit by the, um, by a car a few times. But if that was like what I would do every day and it was like exercise, but it was also, um, kind of dangerous.
0: Yeah, it it is. And, you know, I, I noticed because we probably live pretty close to each other. I'm on, I'm over here on Rayquaza and Encinitas and you're, are you near the school?
1: sort of i'm like 10 minutes from the school i'm like a little closer to carlsbad so
0: oh okay all right so you're you're within 15 minutes of my place yeah by the way say thanks to your dad for dropping this off
1: (laughs) of course yeah um i got him to do it um while i was actually at uh, my orientation at school
0: and i love the dedication can i read the dedication yes This book is dedicated to my dad who is sitting across from me as I write this. And instead of helping me pick a good dedication, is refilling my cup of coffee. Thanks. <laughs> Best dedication ever. <laughs> I love that. All right. Here's another thing. Um, I understand I had a buddy back uh in North Carolina who, who was a fan of falconry. You do falconry too? I do. All right, now how does anybody get into that? You don't just walk up one day, oh, Ma, can I get a falcon for Christmas?
1: <laughs> I did do that once. Um, still have not gotten a falcon. Um, I'm actually of the legal age to get a falcon, though. So when I was in fifth grade, um, so when I was 11, um, legal age to own um, a bird of prey is 12. I begged my, my parents every day to get a falcon for my 12th birthday. I don't actually have one yet. I want one. I mean, I live across the street from a canyon now. So it's like, it's possible. However, it's, it is a preserve. So right. taking a bird of prey into the preserve is not, I don't think that's legal because the bird will kill animals. Um, but I can trace that interest back to about first, second, I think first grade. First or second grade. Um, and there was a hawk in my front yard. And I didn't actually know it was a hawk. It was just a really big bird. And me being seven or six or seven and kind of stupid, um, walked up to it, stood right over it, and watched it for about 15 minutes. And mind you, this is a huge bird. Yeah. Um, that's probably dangerous for a seven-year-old. But no, it didn't, like, it didn't, um, like, fly away until actually my sister got home and it didn't attack me it didn't really know I was there and I just was really fascinated by it so I was like mom I want a hawk I want a hawk (laughs) so um to settle that uh my parents took me to a place in Alpine that teaches falconry and they let you like kind of call the hawk to your glove and like hold it and yeah I've been doing that ever since
0: how does one call a hawk to one's glove
1: so um, with falconry, it's like the birds, they're, um, they're owned by um, the people mm-hmm. and they're birds of prey. So they, they um hunt with them. And they're also very, very funny. Um, I don't know. I love birds. So, um, but the hawks, they're trained to have um, phrases that like they'll come to you if you say them. Kind of like, you know, how you call cats in for dinner. Sure. Um, we used to have outdoor cats. So like we would have to like call them inside. Um, so it's kind of like that. Um, in the best part, there was a hawk, and it was the um like the main kind of hawk at the time, and her name was Shanti.
0: <laughs> no.
1: Yes, they had Shanti the hawk.
0: Okay, now that's just a sign from the universe that you're supposed <laughs> yes. to have a hawk.
1: I know, like I need one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was so funny because they were just looking on the website and they were like, and the website was like, and Shanti the hawk. And my parents were like, oh, no way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean Shanti in and of itself is a, a somewhat unusual name. It's you don't hear that every day. So to have it's for somebody to pick that name for a hawk. So when you get a hawk soon enough, will you name it your name?
1: Probably not. I had okay. a bunch of name ideas um back in fifth grade. A lot of them were based on book characters. Uh-huh. Um, so currently now I'm not sure what I'm gonna name my hawk, but hmm again it, probably after one of my book characters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you I know that you write sci-fi and you have dabbled in fantasy and historical fiction, but sci-fi really is kind of your favorite thing. Yeah. Do you like it because you get to kind of make up whatever you want? Is that kind of the biggest draw?
1: Definitely, because, I mean, so I can have this world that's very much based on our own, and I can make up the craziest stuff. So, uh, <laughs> like, never dying is um, one of my examples of that. Like, you know, everything seems pretty normal, like, in the world. I did, I did a bit of world building for it, like, more than my other books. Um, it just seems like this kind of futuristic world. And then people are dying left and right, and people are, like, immortal, and some people aren't, and there's this crazy dude, and it's, like, it's really funny. Um, Biomlock's another example of that, because... All of my books, they I think Never Dying might be the exception, they don't take place terribly far in the future, and I don't know why that is, because it would make sense if they were. So, like, the prologue of Biomlock is in, like, thir- 2030, and all of a sudden, like, the aliens are here. Surprise! Right. Um The God's Right Hand takes place in 2026, and all of a sudden, we're in the middle of a civil war. So, it's just all, it's really, like, just, I feel like everything in my books is usually very crazy and drawn out, but it's also kind of funny.
0: Uh Uh-huh. You know what's interesting? On the back of the book, you can see how long this is. That's a really long description, but I thought, I wonder how Shanti would describe this in a very tight blurb. So as I was looking inside, I see a summary. It says, in a dystopian future where immortals are hunted and killed, Scarlet Caldwell, an immortal, encounters Cain, an exterminator, thus sending her on a harrowing journey.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the really quicker way. The Never Dying Blurb is the longest blurb I've written. Like, I look at it on the back of the cover, I'm like, oh, that's a lot to read. Um,
0: I mean, it literally, oh, yeah. it's almost a short story. It's like flash fiction. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, so if you were going, now I just described the summary, but if you were if you were going to meet a girlfriend at a coffee shop and say, hey, Sally, let's pretend her name is Sally. Have you read my latest book? And Sally says, oh, Never Dying? I heard about it. What would you, how would you describe it in a very brief but intriguing way that you would tell a friend?
1: All right, let me see if I can manage this. Um, so it takes place in the future in which a random handful of society are immortal, and because of this, the government wants to hunt them down. The main character is Scarlet, and she's an immortal, and she usually stays inside. However, on the one day she goes outside, she encounters Cain an exterminator and he is assigned to kill immortals and they do not have a meet cute at all. They hate each other, but Scarlet finds a secret about Kane that she will do anything to unravel. And that secret is that he's an immortal too. It's not a spoiler cause it's in the blurb, but I like everyone gets mad at me for including that. Cause it is kind of a spoiler, but it's like, it's a part of my selling point. So.
0: You know what? It doesn't bother. It doesn't ruin it for me. I'm, I'm because here's the thing. I want to go for the ride and it's a fun yeah. ride. So I just go along for it. Now, interestingly enough, why wh- why does the government want to kill immortals? Now, I'm asking that almost in a philosophical way. Like, if this were today, Shanti, and a person was killing people, then the government would yeah. say, well, you can't kill people. But and an immortal is just simply given, if I'm reading this right, is kind of giving the gift of eternal life. So why would the government want to kill them?
1: So the reasoning for that comes in two parts. The first is that I think the government was very worried about overpopulation because they saw it as a global catastrophe. If, um, like, say even two people were mortal, there's a chance that their kids or grandchildren would also be immortal. And if that's the case, then we will overpopulate really, really quickly. The other part was a bit of jealousy from – the same people who want to, like, eliminate it due to overpopulation, it's like, well, if they're immoral, that's not fair. Why, why can't I be? So in the same way, it's almost hypocritical. But it's also like, you know, the main thing is overpopulation. But really, at the same time, there's so much jealousy that had to go into it because these people are like, well, that's not fair. I can't get the mutation. My kids could maybe, but I can't. That's no fair. Why is that a thing? and their solution was like well if everyone can't be immortal even though that would literally be a global catastrophe then no one can
0: you have thought this out quite a bit young lady
1: <laughs> thanks
0: it, what is your favorite part of writing because it's so clear i mean you you're a pretty prolific writer at your age and you it's obvious that you really love it this isn't just a cool hobby what is it what's the magic thing that makes you tick
1: i have so many different answers to that a big one is just when the story just all clicks together and everything's coming together and like oh, that makes sense that's why this happened earlier on sometimes i'll write a scene and i won't really think it makes any sense with the rest of the story and then there will be a scene later on where it clicks or i will have accidentally foreshadowed an event in the book and it's just moments like that when it all clicks together and I'm like, this book, it actually, like, it works out. I'm waiting for that moment right now with the book I'm currently working on. However, I did have a moment like that where I was like, oh my gosh, this fits. And this fits. And I just foreshadowed this. Um, My other thing probably would be just creating these new worlds and these new characters. Because I feel like I'm just creating, like, real people. I'll look back sometimes at just, like, my books. Oh, I'm sorry. I bought my microphone. Anyways, I'll look back at, like, my books and I'll read them and I'll be like, these characters feel like real people, but they're entirely from my imagination. It's like yeah. a really unique and very yeah. kind of special feeling to be able to create something, and just have it feel so real to you.
0: Yeah, it is really a cool feeling. I, you you put it so well because when yeah. I'm a I'm a writer too, and so when I create this bad guy, we'll say for instance, when I create a bad guy and he's really bad, I <laughs> I really enjoy seeing how bad I can make him. And I know that in the end, hopefully, the good guys will prevail and the bad guys won't. But yeah, it's just so much fun. And when people ask, even my wife will say to me, you know, that that character you you made in that last book, he was pretty friggin' evil. And I'm like, yeah, wasn't it great? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, he needed to come to an end. So uh, for people who don't do what we do, they're really missing out, aren't they, Shanti?
1: Oh yeah, I have um with my villains. I I love seeing how horrible I can make them and I love trying to bring them back to like a redeemable point and sometimes not. Um I have officially created the scariest villain in any of my books in um a book that I just finished. This is just my proof copy. This is like not cover anything. It's called the Bane of Angel Fall Academy the what? and I the bane of angel fall academy okay there is so much going on in that book that i'm trying to reread it just to kind of do some second draft markup on it there is so much going on it has it, it starts off as like this cool kind of science fiction-y school for writers and ends with the oh that's kind of a spoiler oops well anyways it's not it's not the book's not out yet though so
0: all right you know what i'll try i'll put a little little right there at the end yeah. i do have this question when you will you just be riding along your skateboard or walking in the park or hunting falcons or whatever you do and will an idea just come to you and go wait oh that make a great idea and do you write it down and then start on it right away or do you kind of sit there and let it let me think about there a while let it simmer a little bit
1: usually what i do whenever i have an idea is like I feel like I'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. And some images of what I think could happen and some scenes I think could happen. Some just sometimes flash in my head right after. I usually don't write down those scenes. I only write down like a couple lines of the initial idea in my notes app and I just let it sit. Um, if I think of it again or it comes up again, or I look at it, and I'm like, wait, this is like a really good idea. What if this happens? And I start to have these really concrete ideas, I'll try to write them down until I have a few paragraphs about the idea um then I'll let it sit for even more once I finish a book if I'm struggling to kind of um, figure out what to write next I will usually kind of think about those ideas I have so many ideas at this point that usually um before I'm done writing the book I'll know what I'm going to write next so like right now I'm currently writing this book about aliens it's very fun (laughs) and next I already know that I'm likely going to write um the third never dying book
0: so here's a question. How let, let's let's break down your process. From the do you sit down and start the book and just write it all the way through and then go back and do a second draft or do you write a chapter or a few chapters on a given day and then maybe the next day go back and go let me reread that and tweak it a little bit before I go forward. How do you do it?
1: I'm definitely the kind of person who writes the entire book and um, then goes in edits. It's very often that what I do um is I will finish the book and I will let it sit and I'll go start a new book and try to clear my mind. And then once I'm done with that book, I'll go back and edit the other book. And often I do that simultaneously with writing another book. I think that process is also the reason why I've written so many books because I'm spending like, like I don't kind of like as well, I'm editing. I'm always writing a new book just because I feel like if I'm not, and if I'm literally just spending all day proofreading a book, then I'm going to, just not exactly lose my skills. Just it's like kind of practice, just be actually writing new things every single day. So um, like re- currently right now I'm writing a new book and I'm editing Never Taken, which is the second Never Dying book. I also um, was briefly just reading through the Bane of Angel Fall Academy on paper and writing down just some little changes because I know that book is going to be a much larger editing pro- like process because of all the things that need to happen. And all the things that have to tie together. So I'm actually just doing that on paper first. And then going back and kind of editing it later on my computer. Also because I can sort of read it as if I were the reader. And have these reactions. And kind of see like does everything really make sense? Also like I haven't touched it in a few months. So I'm hoping I'll have forgotten some of the major plot points. Because I usually do. I'm working on so many books. That I'll be able to sort of have like a really raw reaction to the book
0: you have a fantastic work ethic how many how many books would you say on average do you write a year
1: oh a year um uh
0: half a year i mean
1: in a year like so i think 2021 it might have been around 10. um so i did the math for no it was over 10. that's weird so um in july of 2022 Ah, twenty twenty one. I'd finished my seventh book, and I so, think in so I think it's ten books per year, around. Wow, it's
0: yeah. like a book a month.
1: Oh yeah, over the summer it's very often a book a month. Um, I did one in three weeks. Um, the last book I finished was in three weeks unfortunately this one's taking a little longer I went from doing 3,000 to 4,000 words a day to then doing 2,000 and now I'm just doing a thousand words a day to get back into my school schedule so like during the school year it's a thousand words a day over the summer it's around like 3,000 2,000 4,000 like anything like that
0: I am so undeniably impressed with your talent thank you I mean seriously I'm not blowing smoke I mean you 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 are the quintessential example of somebody who says i have a dream i've got a passion i'm just gonna do it you probably don't even you probably don't even have friends who go yeah shanti i read so and so i didn't care for it you probably don't even care do you because it's just an opinion yeah
1: i don't usually like i don't know not a lot of my friends read my books so
0: well somebody's reading them because they're selling right
1: yeah Yeah, it's usually um a lot of people on the internet, and then some of those people will like write to me and be like, "I loved your book," or they'll leave a review, and yeah, it's really good to know that like people are actually reading them and enjoying them.
0: Oh yeah how how do you get people to review your book? Do they just automatically do it, or do you ask them to?
1: I don't usually ask people to unless they send me like a really really nice Instagram DM about how much they love the book, and I'm like, hey, would you be interested in leaving a review? It really helps me a lot. One of the big ways I get reviews and. There's a kind of this is just literally probably the biggest one or one of the biggest ones is in the back of the book. I have a little note that says, hi, you know, if you could please leave a review. It's um, like my author's note. That's usually. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The first um, paragraph is mostly just me kind of talking about me. And then the second is like, hey, could you please leave a review? The other way that I get reviews, and this is actually only one, this is something I've only done once, but it was literally insane. I got like 10, 20 more reviews from it, um, was to do a blog tour. And through the blog tour, a lot of bloggers would write reviews of the book and they would leave their reviews on Amazon too. I did that with You Won't Know Her Name. It went from about 8 reviews to 27. And actually, it technically has like 30 because um, my hardcover also has reviews. Just they won't link on Amazon just yet. And I don't know why, because it's um hardcover's been out since november and just amazon just refuses to link them together so there are like a couple stray reviews on the hardcover
0: that dead gum amazon
1: (laughs) amazon annoys me
0: yeah well honey they annoy a lot of people yeah um here what do you do with all this money you're making (laughs)
1: So, uh, most of the money that I make, I put back into marketing my books. So it's kind of like a cycle of like money, then book sales. Um, like I just use it. Cause a lot of the things like I have to do with marketing, um, kind of cost money. So like I'm appearing at the San Diego festival of books in, oh my goodness, that is actually coming up really quickly Yeah, That's in five days. <laughs>
0: yeah. Matter of fact, I was looking it up. It's, uh, August 20th. Yeah. At, uh, author Alley where is author alley.
1: So, it's a part of the Festival of Books, and okay. it's, like, I kind of want to describe it as, like, a big book signing. So, so, there are a lot of authors, basically, get to sit at the booth and talk about their books and sell their books. Um, there's also, like, some local presses there, and I'm, like, really excited because I'll get to, like, meet people, and I'll get to hopefully sell my books. Um, I gotta say, I'm a little worried. I ordered, um like, just copies of more of my books so that I could sell them. Um, I already have 30 copies of Never Dying so, like, Never Dying is good. But I just wanted, like, a couple. Because Never Dying is still the main book. But I wanted a couple of my other books just to have in case anyone wanted them. So, You Won't Know Her Name and Buy and Lock. Those are arriving, I think, today. The God's Right Hand and The accidental Insurgent are being difficult and aren't going to arrive until after the festival. So, I don't know what to do about that.
0: <clears throat> well, you'll, you'll know better next time. By the way, yeah. if I... Uh, I can't promise you, but I'm going to put this on my calendar and see if the wife and I can't come down there and say hi, because that would okay. be really awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be so cool. Good I am, for you. I'm so excited for it. Like, This is going to be the biggest event I think I've ever done. Yeah. I did a book signing um, in June, but I think this is a bit bigger just because there's going to be more people there. <laughs>
0: oh yeah i I know a lot of people uh, in this town that would love to meet you and i'm gonna have to get on the email train and alert them to that fact (laughs) thank you now besides book signings i notice also that you perform open mic at a place called what is it needles and thorns is that a coffee shop
1: um so needles and thorns is the poem that i perform
0: Oh, uh, oh, I, I miswrote, I wrote it wrong. Sorry, I can't read my own <laughs> handwriting. So, um, and, and where will that be performed?
1: So I perform um my poems just in a variety of open mic nights. I was <sighs> at, um I cannot believe that was actually last year. This is just the one I always think of. I was at Queen Bee's and I think it was like downtown San Diego. Uh-huh. And I performed two of my poems there. Actually, yeah, I think I debuted one there. Or not, no, I did it, and I also do um, virtual open mic nights. I, last year, like, when it was the middle of the pandemic, I did um, events, like, just, I would read my poetry at open mic nights at Unlikely Story, which is a bookstore in Massachusetts. I, um the most recent one I did was at, there was the um, Carlsbad Teen Talent Show, and I performed two of my poems. One of them was Needles and Thorns. One of them was another poem I'd written, and I actually got an honorable mention, <laughs>
0: That is so awesome. I bet you pull the crowds in.
1: Yeah, it You're... was it was so scary. Um <laughs> the second poem I did, like I was so worried because it was the first time I'd ever performed it in public. Yeah. And so I had to like read it from my phone and there was a point where I like stuttered. I still did pretty good, I think. <laughs>
0: I don't think anybody, um, nobody minds in a stutter or if you drop the mic or you get freaked out, nobody, nobody cares. Um, let me give you a little piece of invite, uh, advice because I've been doing this my whole life. Nobody cares. They, they're here to support you and they're going to listen. They're going to cheer you on. So my best piece of advice, just let all that stuff go and just pretend like it's me or some of your friends or your sister just sitting there going, hey, Shanti show us your stuff let's go you know i mean it it really is i i don't mean to minimize it Mm -hmm. but you're you're so dynamic and people are there it's kind of like have you ever gone to a comedy night where they do stand up i think so yeah okay yes right well you know how you go there and you're already in the mood to laugh yeah right you're like, hey, I can go to a concert and listen to music, or I can go to open mic night and hear these stand-up comics. Hey, you know, I need a good laugh. And you you go there with the idea that you're going to laugh. So you want the person to make you laugh and you want it to succeed. It's going to be the same with you. Um, I also noticed that you've been on a lot of podcasts. Do you know how many, by the way?
1: Over 50. Um, (sighs) The exact number, I don't know. I um, used to Keep track. Which reminds me, I um have to update. I have a spreadsheet, which is how I keep track of all the podcasts and when they are. And I keep forgetting to mark a bunch as completed. So,
0: well, you better not uh, miss mine because uh, I can tell you right now, little Miss Shanti, I am going to promote the
1: heck
0: out of you. And thank you. Yeah, you you need to share me with your audience because I think people would like to see you on the podcast. Yeah. All right, um, I do, let's see, um, before we get to rapid fire questions, which is a fun little thing we do before we wrap up the show, uh, I want to ask you this, and you kind of, you kind of hinted it to me, and I think I got a pretty good idea, but I want to ask you point blank, because I know you're going to have a great answer, because you're so young and you're smart and you're, oh my God, your work ethic is profound, I'm so impressed, and I mean that. So if you were going to give a piece of advice, let's say it's to somebody who wanted to be a writer, or it's somebody who's thinking about, you know, I think I can do what Shanti does. I'd like to try it. If you could, or or maybe it's somebody who's been writing for a while. If you were going to share uh, one piece of advice, what would what do you think it would be?
1: One piece?
0: Uh, it could be two, but I mean, you know, basically. I have a
1: ton. Um, a big one is a lot of people call themselves aspiring writers and I think that phase holds like phrase sort of holds them back because if you like to write, if you like to put words on paper, if you like to create stories, you're automatically a writer. And I think it's important that people like start identifying as a writer if they like to write. It honestly it helps a little almost and it makes you feel more sort of real and it kind of like, you know, you know, don't kind of compare yourself just to some other writer and say, well, they're a writer. I'm not. I just want to be. Because if you want to be a writer, you're basically automatically a writer. Like if you like to write, you're a writer. Um, My other thing is just a big piece of advice for really any writers. And it's very simple. Um, Write the same amount every day. Find a schedule that works for you. But it helps so much if you just build this habit of writing every single day. Um, over the last two years, I've done this. And now I literally feel like I just I have to write every day. Like it's just what I do. It's just a part of my daily life. And if you can do that, you're going to finish your books much quicker. You're going to write better books, I feel like. And you're also going to improve because literally the only way to improve, I feel like is just a practice. You can also do research. You can also look up writing tips, but just write every day and you'll really start to develop your skills a lot better.
0: Boom. Give me a high five. Give me a high five. Bam. (laughs) That is so good. God, Lee, you're wise beyond your years, young lady. Thank you. All right. Now we do this thing called rapid fire questions. I've only got four of them and rapid fire just means you answer it. It's off off the top of your head. So if you've heard the show, you've probably heard that little sounder. So question number one is you and the family are taken off for a road trip. Now you're in charge of the music. Who, what will, what uh, band or genre will you be playing in the car?
1: A lot of people get mad at me over this. But my favorite band is Imagine Dragons. so
0: I love them.
1: <laughs> me too. Um, I saw them in concert in March, and I'm going to see them again sometime in the fall.
0: <laughs> I did a show in Vegas for a dental supply company. Crazy thing. And they were the headliners, and I'm standing this far away from them. They were so cool. Lucky. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Okay. Not to try to top you there. All
1: right.
0: Here's a good one. You're asked to speak at a local school. What's the best piece of advice or insights that you would tell kids as it pertains to following a career? So this is a little bit different than what we just talked about, but there's so many kids that are going, you know, they're already thinking about their careers now. What would you say in all your wisdom would be your piece of advice about a career?
1: First thing, don't let your age get in the way of what you want to do. Don't be like, well, I'm too young to learn about this. I'm too young to try this. Find some things that you at your age can appropriately do that can help you get your career, that can give you the experience. Maybe if you're in middle school or high school, an internship. Maybe if you're a little younger, do your research. Maybe you can watch a show about that career, and maybe just pretend that you have that job, make sure it's something you really want to do, and just find ways to incorporate it kind of just in your life and to really understand if it's what you want to do. When I was younger, I really wanted to be um, like a computer programmer and a game designer. So when I was seven years old, I was making games on Scratch, and then that, turned, that developed into learning HTML and other programming languages. So there are a ton of things you can learn that can help you with that career and can also give you the experience, but also you know you can have fun at the same time
0: wow that's great (laughs) advice all right here's one for you you get to go on a late night talk show all right parents are going to go with you and you get to talk about your book which book would it be or rather which 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 talk show would it be and which book would you like to talk about
1: Hmm. i don't know many talk shows so probably any talk show with a good host who's not going to overly make fun of me um (laughs) But, like, really just, like, kind of any talk show. And for books, it's definitely a tie between um, Never Dying and You Won't Know Her Name. Probably because Never Dying is recent. I'd say Never Dying. It's also the funnest to talk about, and I can say the most about it. Yeah. But You Won't Know Her Name would be really interesting to discuss, I think. Uh-huh. It, like – but also, I do really prefer talking about never dying, so I'm have to say never dying.
0: Okay, and here's kind of an associated one: you get to host your own talk show. Maybe it's a maybe it's a TV show, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a radio show. It doesn't matter, and you get to interview anyone. They can be someone who's already passed or somebody that's living right today. Who would that be? Anybody, and why?
1: Hmm. See, I would say Imagine Dragons, but also. Um... <laughs> So, anyone? Hmm. Maybe Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. I just I think she's really interesting, and I mean again, like no one knew she wrote Frankenstein until I think it was like a hundred years after she died. But it would just be really interesting to know kind of how someone who's technically around the same age as me, so she was nineteen. I'm almost 15. Yeah. And to see how someone um, like around my age, like a teenager would have written a book back in the day and to kind of learn like her secrets. Cause Frankenstein is, I believe a very kind of monumental um, piece of science fiction. Yeah. It's very historical.
0: Well, folks, you're going to want to grab a copy of never dying and you can get it on Amazon and uh, you can pick it up for a fair price and you can leave a review and help make this gal's career it is Shanti Hershenson, and I'm telling you, you can visit her website, which is, you got a really cool website that has, has a lot of stuff going on it. Did you build that website by any chance?
1: I did. All
0: right, you're just like, uh, you make me feel like, it, I don't have any excuses anymore, Shanti. <laughs> if I one day wake up going, I don't know if I'm to work, I'm going to slap myself because I can think about you and you're like, here's a girl who's doing it, so shantihershenson.com to learn more follow her on instagram and twitter and all the other cool places tiktok too oh quick note you're on tiktok do you do any kind of what's the new thing called promoting books i mean are you a book talker
1: i am um i was actually this reminded me i need to make a tiktok i haven't posted one in like a day or two I just post a lot about my books. I post writing tips. Honestly, a lot of content that other people really want to kind of like look at. A lot of it is like tips for other people. But also, I just really like posting about my books in general. Just random videos that sort of inspire people to do the same. I have 32,000 followers on TikTok.
0: Could you do me a real quick favor? Because – And I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I think we're friends enough that I can say this. If you're going to tell an old fart like me how to do TikTok, can you tell me how to do it in just like a couple of quick, easy steps?
1: So first, you need to create an account. It's pretty simple. Um, And then just to set up your TikTok page, a few things I think you really need is you just, you know, you need a profile picture that really just represents like you. So if you want to do like a headshot, anything like that mine it changes so my first one was just a photo of me uh my next one i believe like I'm, i've had a very limited amount of profile pictures so like my second one was just a photo of me when i was like si- or, like that six i was like four just because it's adorable and now it's just my, my most recent author photo you want to then put a bio and is in as few letters as possible and as few words as possible really just describe who you are uh mine is like my my like that i'm an author my age how many books I've written and published and then what I'm currently working on. It's very simple. When you actually create a video, you want to do something that's very neat and very well edited. Um it also has to kind of pop and it has to be catchy. So when you're making a TikTok about your books or like whatnot, I like doing like some like kind of poppy kind of text that's really gonna kind of explain what's going on and then have it like on the beat drop of the song because you need to pick a song and you want to pick also a song that really fits with your book and fits with what you're trying to do it's really easy you just kind of pick different tiktok sounds on that beat drop then you want to do the next part so for example if you're sharing what your book's about i do different images that you think could represent your book and have them each cut and then on each image put a different kind of line of what the book's about if that makes sense yeah um if you look at my page there's a lot of examples of this another thing people really like is like the aesthetic of your book so you download a ton of images that really fit the vibe of your book and when the song kind of kind of you know picks up then you just play all these images really really quickly to kind of give the reader like the vibe of your book. It's really interesting. Um, and then if you want to post clips of like your podcasts, just make sure like they're pretty high quality and they have subtitles. It's really helpful. And some sort of call to action to explain what your podcast is and where you can listen more.
0: You made that very easy to understand. Even an old dude like me can figure that one out. That That is exceptional. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. What do I owe you for that uh, little lesson?
1: <laughs> it's okay, nothing. <laughs>
0: Shanti, you have been delightful. Thank you so much for joining me on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're awesome.
1: You're too, thank
0: you. Thanks. See you. Bye. How much fun was that, right? Shanti Hershinson, the book, Never Dying. I've never seen so much energy, so much wisdom, so much prolific talent at such a young age. I'm her biggest, newest fan. Shanti, you rock. I just wanted to get this out because she's so talented and she's got a big event coming up and I just want to help her in any way I can. So, by the way, buy the book, Never Dying. Also, quick reminder, since we're slipping this in as a bonus, Nick Petrie gets a little extra love. Nick Petrie has a book called The Runaway and I'm telling you, it's going to be a runaway hit. Sorry, so corny, but it works. Lisa Gardner calls it explosive and engaging. Look, she does it right there, right? Anyway, Nick is on the show, oh, I don't know, in the next 48 hours. Great interview, superb talent, and a whole lot more. All right, before I go, just a quick mention. We have a YouTube channel. You can actually watch this stuff, youtube.com slash thethrillerzone. Make sure you subscribe, please. It helps. And, of course, you can uh, visit our website, thethrillerzone.com. Follow us anywhere you enjoy your podcast. We are there. All right. I got to get out of here. I want to try to squeeze in some fun for my summertime too, you know. Uh, I live a mile from the beach. You'd think I'd get out there and enjoy it. I think I'll do that. So I'm your host, David Temple. Until next time, I'll see you then for another exciting edition of The Thriller Zone.
1: Hi, my name is Shanti Hurstenson. my book is Never Dying, and I'm hanging out with David Temple on The Thriller Zone.
0: The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.